Recorded live at Toxin Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. From the Toxin Tasting Studio, I am Bullhagen. And I'm Berg. And I'm Vicar. Welcome to the show. And guess who's here too? Hey, Pete. Hey, Pete. So, uh, got some uh, more of the same of what we've been doing. Um, uh, Berg and I should be well rested back from vacation before we go take other vacations. Exactly. <laughs> I'm just leaving next week too, so. <laughs> and and I'll be going later in July to uh, 15.0's ordination, so that'll be fun. So, Where is he at? You uh, don't have to go vi- virtually, do you? No, no, it's Wyoming. Oh, yeah, they don't believe in social distancing there <laughs> because they're Already. naturally so- right. socially distancing. <laughs> On the ranch. So... Um, thank you for listening, and uh, um, what, what kind of drink do we have today, Berg? Well, today I brought, since I just came back from Florida, sunny, balmy Florida, Gulf Coast sort of deal, you know. I think you you also kind of headed down that way. Right. You know. We're making Vicar very nervous right now. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, I figured we would have a, uh, a scotch. Uh, you nervous, malt- are you nervous, Vicar? Not too bad. Don't relax, my, although my COVID test isn't quite back yet. Right, you know. So, <laughs> I feel I feel I lose, I lose sleep. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. this uh, this uh, single malt scotch is from a distillery called Ardbeg, and this is their drum, um, uh, drum uh, scotch. Or and so what it is is it has uh, it's scotch matured in ex bourbon casks and rested a while in ex rum casks. It has a long, smoky finish, fragrant pine resin, pineapple notes, um, briny notes, and ripe banana notes. Okay. I will see if I can catch all those notes. Lots of notes. So, it's although like a, It's although, like a symphony over here. Although I've noticed that uh, for some reason I can't smell or taste anything right now, Vicar. So. Oh, stop. <laughs> <sighs> so, well... You know, if you just drink the whiskey, you'll be fine. So I can taste, and just, I will. So here we go. I want to give it, while we uh, do this, I want to give a, a shout-out to a few people. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to Jeff for your all that you do to support the show. And uh, we got a kind of a mention on Facebook, too, from uh, someone named Chad. So uh, we had actually talked about him. Uh, earlier, so thank you for your support, Chad, and uh, keep listening to the show. Um, and uh, let me give it a taste here. So, it smells good. Wow, that is smoky. Isn't it awesome? That's that was so unexpected. I mean, you said it, but yeah. I, I think of it like, wow. uh, yeah, you're smelling it and you're thinking, okay, tropical, uh-huh. ocean, and then you taste it and it's like a squid released a whole bunch of like that black <laughs> oil in the water and you just see it expanding. And that's kind of what happens in your mouth is the mm-hmm. smoke is just like that black oil cloud that uh, expands over your tongue. So we got a, a note here from uh, um, uh, someone named uh, Pastor Mummy. He says, uh, I knew Pastor Bullhagen when he was just a kid at the seminary. Um, he was a classmate of mine. I don't know if I was... <laughs> well, you got to read the whole sentence. Okay. A um, kid at the seminary with... Some basketball moves. Oh, yeah. I must admit, one of my favorite memories of your podcast is the day I realized you weren't saying recorded live at Toxic Tastings Studios. Ah. Always wondered what the toxic... What was talks about the tastings. And again... Some of the humor is occasionally toxic. (laughs) Have you been talking to Hannah? Um, Even though I I now know better, you always be recording at Toxic Tasting Studios. Anyways, keep up the great work. Well, thank you. Well, alcohol is a poison, right? Is it? Hmm. Yes. But it's also a solution. Mm -hmm. Chemically. So, you know. Oh no! No, you're not saying we, <laughs> alcohol is a, sol- <laughs> is a chemically it is a solution, but so. it's not the solution. <laughs> it's not the solution. So <laughs> okay. it's the paradox that you know we Lutherans live in. All right, so um, uh, and we got a lot of note feedback from Hannah, um, and we will Hannah, 
we will actually talk sometime. Okay. <laughs> it's not an empty promise. We will. We we really appreciate what you do for the show. So uh, uh, maybe we can. Hey, Peter. Uh, maybe, or actually, this is more of a vicar. He's someone. Can someone add just add her to the text chain? If we could find a way so that she knows when we could recording. Yeah. So Hannah, let's stop this one way communication. Send us your number. We can add you to the text chain. Mm-hmm. There we go. And it would be rad. Right. So um, I would let you know uh, by messaging you or emailing you, but. <laughs> <laughs> We don't do that here. <laughs> yeah. So our spiritual gifts don't run in those veins. Yeah. So, uh, so Hannah says, "Thank you, Grace, for your flattering words in this week's episode. Hmm. If you didn't listen to the show, I had a little PK episode with a couple of PKs that I know. Um, you inspire me to address a couple of things I was thinking about. Uh, sanctification. I've listened to episode sixty-seven more than once, which is titled Sanctification Part One. What are your plans for Part Two? It's a, it's a good question. Okay. Yep. We'll have to get on that. <laughs> right. I find this topic particularly interesting at the moment. Uh, next point, she says, because we talked about a live event. Mm-hmm. Live event at the university chapel. When this pandemic is all over, I am sure Reverend David Kind would be happy to host a live recording at Luther House. That'd be kind of cool. That would be neat. I mean, we're kind of a big deal with the kids. You missed the most important part. Yeah. She says... Host a live recording at Luther House, especially if I organized it all. <laughs> all. <laughs> all. Yeah. That's real nice. We'll show up. Yeah, we'll show up. <laughs> <laughs> and she's also mentions that uh, um, she was surprised that uh, um, she hasn't received cookies yet that we promised. So we'll have to... Well, she, we have to know what kind of cookies you like. Because and she, she adds, I'm sure my Patreon contributions to date will cover the cost of whatever you choose to send. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't like butterscotch. What a shame. And Any not only excuses? that, she also says, don't you dare suggest I order a box for myself and put your names on it. <laughs> <laughs> She's on to us. She's way ahead of us. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I, I think. I think maybe... We should maybe add to her title, mm-hmm. uh, associate producer slash podcast mom. <laughs> That's, that sounds about right. <laughs> so, yeah, I like this. So, um, v- v- Vicar, um, you're preaching this Sunday. Yeah, so the the Texas, the gospel text is from Luke chapter 6. So this comes in Jesus' sermon on the mount as recorded by... Luke, um, and it kind of picks up kind of midstream in the sermon. So uh, it starts at verse 36, and it's short enough that I'll, I'll read the whole text here. All right. Jesus says, Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it, will be measured back to you. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck. That is in your brother's eye. That's the text. All right, and I'm I'm particularly focusing on the uh, the parables that Jesus gives uh, thirty nine onward, um, using especially the parable of the blind man leading the blind man, talking about uh, it, uh, you know our own. I think we can see ourselves both as the leader of the blind man and the blind man who's being led. Uh, we are blind in our sin, and at times we're led, uh, we lead according to our own, uh, our own fallen nature. We, we lead thinking that we know best. We lead at times even putting ourselves above God's word. Right. Well, the way we, we, I, we kind of talked about this, I, I mentioned earlier, and because, right. you know, we, Vicar and I discuss this <clears throat> sometimes as he's working out his sermon, and that is, you know, why do you go to your particular church? 
Do you go to your church because um, you agree with it in the sense of they say what you think you should hear? Or do you do you go to a particular church because um, Jesus is speaking to you? And, and the difference right. is this. Um, for example, if people watch political shows or listen to political podcasts, okay, what do they listen to? Do they listen to the stuff they don't agree with? Not often. Not often, right? And and so the point I'm trying to make with that is is um, when you, when you think about hearing the word of God, it's not some. It's it, there's a challenging aspect to it of being led. There's a challenging aspect of saying, okay. This is what you believe, especially according to your old Adam, and we're going to address that. We're going to challenge that. So it may not be something that you always, from your old Adam, will agree with. If you're just going to a church and say, I'm going to that church because that's what I agree with, then it, you're placing, in a sense, yourself over the Word of God. Am I making sense here? You want? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, so, um, so, and Vicar, you're talking. Yeah, and I'm using, so I'm using the blindness um, to talk about how at times we lead uh, without the light of God's word guiding us. At times we're being led by the world, and we need to be aware of this. I think Jesus says these things to his disciples so that they would know and they would examine themselves and know that they are the blind and that they would know that he is the one who shows the true way. The way of the blind man is a, the way to destruction. He falls into the pit. The way of Christ is the way of life. It's the way of light that exposes. It's not a hidden way. And Jesus himself walks uh, ahead of us, even as he walked to the cross. We take up our cross and follow him. And we see with eyes of faith, with the promise, too, that we will see uh, our Lord face to face in resurrected glory. So I'm using the blind as well as no pupil is above his teacher uh, to talk about Christ as our teacher, as our leader, as the one who heals the blind. And gives light. And this is kind of and I get, one of the things that uh, that uh, is often taught at the seminary, which makes it difficult with this one, yeah. is the fact that you want to make sure you preach the whole text. But when you have just a list of things that, are, in some ways, are connected, but in other ways, they're just kind of bullet points. You know. Well, I mean, <clears throat> and it's interesting that we got Hannah's email right about sanctification part two, right? Because. Um, here, this is Jesus is talking about what sanctification is. What does the Christian life look like? The goal of teaching, um, yeah, catechesis. What is the goal? You know, how, what does a sanctified life, a holy life look like? And, um, and yeah, I mean, it's, um, and it's very clear. Um, I, uh, I had no ideas for this text, so I went back and I looked at an old translation of, um, there's actually a translation of, kind of what the main doctrines for each Sunday are. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because uh, our fathers, in the Missouri Senate anyway, said for Trinity 4, uh, the Eighth Commandment was kind mm. of a main doctrine for this one, which I think is very apropos for right. today. Because, because um, you know, when you're getting the speck out of your neighbor's eye, <laughs> you're placing yourself as judge. It, it talks about, are you the judge or not? Are you author- Do you have authority over that person or not? And if you don't, should you be talking? Right, and I think that is a good way for us to talk about judge not lest you be judged. Um, that obviously is not a universal command because otherwise parents could never tell their children what to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The government could never actually execute justice. Uh, pastors could never call their sheep to repentance, mm-hmm. right? So obviously this is not talking about judging according to an office. Right, because it can't. What this is talking about are the sort of situations that we see today, where people are judging uh, particular cases that they see on TV, right, without having any knowledge or authority, right, about said cases, mm-hmm. right. And I think that's a very Tri- like, trial by Facebook. <laughs> yeah, trial by Facebook, trial by media, trial by public opinion, right. And that, I, I honestly think this text is super pertinent to our situation today in what does it mean to, um, what, what is God's will for us in regard to the Eighth Commandment? Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and the fact that um, 
and I'm, I kind of hit the people here pretty strong with this a few weeks ago mm-hmm. with the whole idea of, of uh, it's really easy in this climate to, to, to look at all the ills that are going around us and all the various movements and uh, to use that as a way of saying, well, I don't necessarily need to look at myself right now. The problem is all those sinners out there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, and um, in a way, um, there, there is some sort of an arrogance once in a while where, you know, regardless of what side people are on, you know, there's still... There's precious little mercy. Right. And, uh, mm. um, and I think that's why, you know, the, the lectionary is so beautiful in how it developed and that that is where it starts. Right, at mercy. It yeah. starts with mercy. Right, right. And I, I mentioned in, the, in that sermon that uh, that when we, you know, when you saw the crowds, especially you know, like Memorial Weekend when that whole thing was blowing up, you know, mm-hmm. I was watching from my couch and I was angry, right? I was upset, and, and uh, not at one point did I actually, in my my own being, have any care for them. Mm-hmm. And and I was reminded of of Jesus when he saw the crowds, he, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Right. And you know, part of that too, at least in today's text, um, having mercy and having compassion also points us to uh, um, really like how do you deal with people? It's not like you just excuse the sin, right? You actually do want to remove the speck from your brother's eye, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, our fathers also said, you know, the last part of this, like actually removing the speck from your brother's eye, suggests at the same time the doctrine of excommunication, the carrying out of excommunication, mm-hmm. right? So excommunication is done not to mm-hmm. destroy a person. It's to, to but, bring them but, back. But it's a last, a last ditch effort to save them, right? But the log in our own eye could be a self-righteousness or mm. a, a sanctimonious mindset, mm. which is much more damning than um, than uh, than the speck in their own eye. Mm. Right. So. All right. Moving right along. It's time for... Uh... Hey, Peter, do you remember what numbers we are for this? <laughs> We've done six of them. Six of them. All right. So uh, I've got a, a three more. Um, Peter, play the intro. Enough nonsense. It's time for Bullhagen's Top 12. Life doesn't seem so vain right now, smelling this scotch. Right. So so it'll be good that Dr. Bullhagen will pull us back from the drink. Um, uh, if you don't remember, uh, I've been reading excer- excerpts from uh, a commentary entitled uh, Concordia Commentary Ecclesiastes. I've got verified now from the author itself himself uh, permission to read these. In fact, I think he probably would guess that this is probably the most important thing we've done on the podcast. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I say that just because uh, uh, there are a lot of similarities between my father and I. <laughs> would, you, would you say that there are some similarities, Peter, between my father and I? No, not at all. <laughs> there you go. Number six. So um, this is on uh, section is from part of the commentary from uh, chapter six, verse ten. Whatever has come to be has already been named, and it is known what man is, and that he is not able to dispute with one stronger than he. Um, and uh, Doctor Bullhagen says. This verse encapsulates so well the theme of the book of Job. Throughout the bulk of that book, Job and his friends engage in a dispute about the meaning of life in general and of suffering in particular. Somehow they consider themselves to be part of the equation in the task of unlocking the secrets of the universe. Who has the right answers, Job or his friends? The last five chapters make it abundantly clear. They were all wrong. Only God is wholly righteous and right, and only he has the right to determine what is and what will be. After 37 chapters in what God has remained, where God has remained silent, he, fi- he finally spoke, but not in a way that directly answers the questions Job and his friends had, uh, had 
posed. The response Job, the response Job got was, "What do you? Th- who do you think you are?" It was not a place to argue with the Almighty. God is the one who is stronger, stronger than any man, and He alone is strong enough to tame and subdue the behemoth. <laughs> I can never say that word. Behemoth. Yes, right, behemoth, and his leviathan, which are much too powerful for the man. For man. Words like these can cause even the believer to swallow hard. Even the trusting child of God is prone to lapsing into contemplating instead of trusting. But in the context of faith, these words can only underscore the miracle and mystery of God's grace in Jesus Christ. After all, grace that can be fully explained and easily figured out is no grace at all. The musings evoked by this verse are, are not unlike those that attend the doctrine of predestination or election to eternal life. The pl- problem with the teaching is really no problem at all. All the glory goes to God and none of it to man. Yeah, our world hates that in so many ways. <laughs> right. It, I think it flows. Uh, I, I kind of picked that one out just because Vicar was talking about the blind leading the blind. Right. And that just fly, falls mm. right into that, that whole discussion. You know, there's actually a whole video game culture of of man actually disputing with God um, and killing God. I mean, it's huh. the God of War series where the main character goes around and eventually ends up exterminating all the gods of Greek and Norse mythology. <laughs> so, you know. You know, my, my favorite game was Rampage. Remember that one? Anybody I, I old do. enough? Is that the... Is that the one where the monkey and the dinosaur would fight in the city and destroy the buildings? Right, you'd climb up the side yeah. of buildings and you like punch holes in the walls and like, <laughs> like you'd see like a person running in, in fear on the street and you'd jump off the building, <laughs> grab him, and eat him for extra points. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, actually, I had this discussion. I digress, but that's okay. It's it's part of the podcast. That's right. Uh, I was discussing with with uh, I think my daughter. We were talking about uh, violent video games and I don't think that they make people violent but I just mm-hmm. think it makes people who are violent way better <laughs> at committing violence <laughs> oh. <laughs> actually I, I I don't think it does because like they're not actually working out oh. and so their mu- muscles atrophy uh, so, I don't know. You know I don't know I just think like you know if you're playing uh, Peter what's that one all the kids are playing Call nowadays Call of Duty or Skyrim or <laughs> right right you know Tell me if I'm wrong, Peter. That one game that all the kids are playing. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, Fortnite. I, I guess it's Valorant. Fortnite. Fortnite. That's <laughs> what my confirmants are playing. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, from my perspective, Fortnite's kind of dying out. Is it? He's on the cutting edge. What can I say? I'm behind. I mean, right, but, but, but my point oh, for is the, like, oh, for the right. days of 8-bit glory. <laughs> it just makes you more. The, you know, where you were a red plumber, you know. Right, more attuned to your surroundings, you know. <laughs> you know where people might be lurking. You know, you can, you know, you just, I just think that it doesn't make people more violent. But if someone is violent, they're just going to be a little better at it. Yeah, VR, man. <laughs> Look out. Am I wrong? You're a video game guy. Am I wrong, Pete? Uh, no comment. All right. <laughs> He's, that one makes him nervous. All right, so. Number five. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 3. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by sadness of face, the heart is made glad. Oh, a little theology of the cross there, right? Yeah, I think most, like, 80% of the Christians today would disagree with what right. God is saying through the preacher. Mm. So, uh, the Re- Reverend Dr. Bullhagen says of this, this verse, when a person is looking realistically at life's problems, he will react with a flood of emotion aptly summarized by the noun frustration, anger, vexation, grief. His trials will get so severe that even putting up a brave front will become impossible. Whistling a happy tune and putting on a happy face will no longer work for him, nor fool anyone else. The portrait is indeed a pathetic one being totally powerless to remedy his own plight. Being proactive is out of the question. He can only react to what is falling apart around him. The Ode to the Seasons, it has been noted, deals with as much with human reactions as it does with the circumstances that evoke them. Yet it is all for the better in the long run. This visible 
display of emotion shows that a person is not hiding his head in the sand nor trying to laugh off his problems. A sad continence results from looking realistically at life and trying somehow to come to grips with it. This method of coping does nothing to improve one's situation, but by God's grace, it can improve the person. This is Solomon's way of saying that God does not always remove obstacles in the way of his people, but he does make his people strong enough to handle the obstacles. Pressures in life turn lumps of coal into brightly shining diamonds. Although though the gracious working of God, his children, wind up being uh, primed by tentatio and ready for the time when God will wipe every tear from their eyes. Vicar, what is tentatio? That's, uh, well, it's Latin, but it comes out of Luther's meditatio, oratio, and tentatio. And uh, Luther believed that tentatio or affliction, uh, temptation, uh, suffering actually uh, is used by God to form the Christian. And I mean, this is in the Bible, so... Mm -hmm. Um, and for Luther, it was the preacher too, right? Yeah, especially yeah. the theologian. And um, and at seminary, we talk about these three, meditatio, oratio, tentatio, in um, our first class, I think, that we that we took and and uh, as we prepared to pursue the office of the ministry. Honestly, I think we should do a show completely devoted to this, hmm. oratio, mentatio. Um, Meditatio, meditatio tentatio yeah. because it's, uh, good. it's something that every Christian should do hmm. and right. it's something that every Christian experiences so um, Hannah could you remind me of this regret <laughs> this oh no I think that would be a great uh, what it is uh, what it ain't and what it could be uh, to do each one of those <laughs> and, and yeah. describe no, it that would yeah. be great no <laughs> yeah good idea Vicar all right number four um, our third installment number four is, is uh, a section of uh, from Ecclesiastes 7, verse 11. All right, wisdom. Wisdom is good with an inheritance, an advantage to those who see the sun. All right. Uh, what does this verse say? Wisdom is always better than folly, with no exceptions. Meanwhile, material things are not worth much, but they can be enjoyed when one has the right attitude founded upon wisdom. If one can envision a scale or measure of good versus bad, in Ecclesiastes, it is good for a person to be wise, whether he is rich or poor. And it is bad to lack wisdom, to be a fool, regardless of how rich a fool he may be. A person may consider uh, the optimum uh, to be having the best of both worlds, like Abraham or Job in the end. He has been immeasurably blessed materially, but more importantly, he has a God-given wisdom of faith to keep everything in the proper perspective and to enjoy the gifts of God without being corrupted by his wealth in the process. How easy it is for a rich man to be corrupted, but it does not have to be that way. All else being, all else being equal, wisdom will be the advantage every time, and divine wisdom with poverty is superior to wealth without faith. Amen. That's great. No doubt. That that uh, that's probably uh, strikes home to every seminarian. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, at least I mean I can only speak for myself, but God has given me more than enough, and uh, but it's uh, yeah. I mean, we um, I think the Roman Catholics talk about wealth and poverty a lot more than the Lutherans do. And we ought to talk about these things, for they they appear in the scriptures many times. But and 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 we all need to be honest in the sense that the church is blessed by the wealthy. This is true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. if you think of the 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 seminary and the training of pastors, mm -hmm. I mean, without the gifts of certain foundations or individuals, right? There's no way we could do it as we are doing, right? The thing is, is that we see how many foolish people there are out there. Right. Right. And, you know, we have this saying, you know, a fool and his money are soon parted. Um, but it goes even deeper than that. Right. Because it's not just talking about the wisdom of this world. But, you know, that, that's you know. What, what, I, what I think of athletics. Like, because I'm a big NBA fan, even though they're starting to get a little more. Is that even a thing yet? 
Oh, uh, this July. I mean, I was hoping for basketball already. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I'm bummed out the minor leagues got totally canceled today. So Did they? There's no Iowa Cubs that's, this that's, year. That's one of my favorite uh, um, Alabama songs is uh, about the minor leagues, right? We like our beer flat as can be. We like our hot dogs with mustard and relish. Right. Right. They're sitting in the cheap seats watching right. the minor leagues. Nothing better. Is that, so. is that what we call Iowa West? <laughs> oh. <laughs> no. Please write angry emails, too. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. We kid because we love. Um, <laughs> um, but my point was, is we have this tendency. You know, we look at, uh, you take a, an NBA player, he signs a $150 million contract, right? Yeah. And then we get offended. They complain about something. and we... Yeah, th- I mean, think about that, right? You could live a hun- 150 years with a million dollars every year. I mean, isn't that crazy? That's a, that's more money than you could, you know. Like, how do you even spend a million dollars every year? <laughs> my, my point was this, is, is we think, okay, you've got $150 million. And then they say something. What are you complaining about? Look at all the money you have. As if we do this all the time. As if... You shouldn't have any complaint about anything because you have all the money as though that is going to make you happy. Like, you've got it made. What are you talking about? Look at all the money you have as though that would be their answer in life. Yeah, and they usually have more troubles than, you know. Right, I mean. People trying to kidnap their kids or right. run them off the road. I mean, I, I'm not saying that I money. wouldn't like to have that kind of money, but we, we, we act as though they should be the happiest people in the world uh, yeah, because they have yeah. Edgar, all this money. Egger is right, though, right? Don't let me, when he prays to God, he says, don't let me be too rich that I forget the name of the Lord, and don't let me be too poor that I steal and profane the name of my God. Yeah. That's from another one of Solomon's books. Bye, Vicar. Bye-bye. Vicar's got to go to do Vespers with the, the peeps. I see. So, um... And uh, that, I guess that would bring us then to, are we are we only doing three? Are we doing three at a time or three at a time is fine. Okay, awesome. So that brings us with confound the clerics. Peter, play the intro. Confound the clerics. So we have a question here from Jeff, and uh, he he asks this question um, one. Uh, Peter, you want to go ahead and read that for me while I take a sip. Yeah, yeah. He says, Good morning. I have personally been struggling with the topic of the Lord's Supper for a while. I apologize if you've already covered this in a previous podcast, but what are your thoughts on communion statements that are essentially an honor system, which allow visitors to examine themselves without any interaction from the pastor? The statement may clearly state that we believe Jesus' true body and blood are present, but still allows the individual to determine on their own if they share a common fellowship. All right. So um, that this is a very common in, in, in some places within our own synod. Right. Where basically a checklist, if you can agree to this, this, and this, well, then you're, you're kind of welcome to receive the Lord's Supper. Um, I talked about this in this way. Um, when you talk about the honor system and examining yourself, is um, we used to be able to assume, I think, with relative assurance, that uh, people could actually examine themselves according to the Ten Commandments. Am I right? Like you know, not so much recently, but but my point is is when you have a statement like that, and if you can agree to these or whatever the case may be. Like, if you, are you repentant of your sins? Okay. If someone is from a different confession, right, can they properly uh, say that they're repentant if they have never really been truly taught the Ten Commandments? Do they know what repentance is? And so, and so one thing with the honor system is not only are you asking them to um, be honest because they might believe in their heart of hearts that they're being honest. Mm-hmm. You know, when the Bible talks about those um, who are condemned, it always usually reference to their surprise. Right. Didn't we say, call Lord, Lord? Yeah, didn't we perform miracles 
in your name. And right. Cast out demons in your name. Right. Or the, the weeping and gnashing of teeth or or the, the ten virgins. They're all kind of just like, oh, you know, they're surprised. They're shocked because because they're, they're dealing with um, when the honor system, even if you truly believe that you're you're in a, in a sense in accordance with whatever statements they have it doesn't mean you actually are right and while those questions are necessary to believe that are usually on these cards mm-hmm. it's not sufficient because when you commune at the altar you're saying i believe everything this church teaches mm-hmm. you know that's what you're saying and we don't want people to be liars right and the thing is is that uh it's a it's a two-way thing right Pastors are also talked about in the Bible as being the stewards of the mysteries of God. Stewards are in charge of stuff. Right. Right. They are supposed to, I mean, that's part of their job. Right. Right. People should be examining themselves. But honestly, I mean, I think even in our own congregations, people have never been taught how to examine themselves um, by by previous pastors. And, uh, And honestly... If you ask them to examine themselves, whether according to the Ten Commandments or what they believe, or uh, most people, most people couldn't even tell you what the Ten Commandments were. Right. And I mean, this is very problematic. Um, if 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 we had a congregation of mature Christians, which is not going to happen this side of heaven, I would say, yeah, the honor system would be a wonderful thing. Um, but. It is also incumbent on the pastor to talk with people who want to come to the rail. And I don't know about you, but I, that, it's always really bothered me, um, especially when people come in late, right? you know, and uh, you've never had a chance to talk with them or discuss with them, um, you know. So, guys, if you, if you are Missouri Senate Lutherans and you're going to a new congregation— Right, if you're on vacation or whatever, please, you know, look up the church, give a call, send mm-hmm. an email, do something like that, right? Or even get there 20 minutes early. Right, you know, we really appreciate it, you know, because then we can actually do what we're called to do. Because if you eat and drink to your judgment, we share in that. Yeah. And so, um, you know... Yeah, I guess that's some. That's one aspect behind the call that people don't realize about this. Right. So, so one is we don't want to do anything that will spiritually harm you. As a as a as a child of God, right? As a person, as a as a soul. Right. The other thing is, is do you really want a pastor to do something that's damaging to his own soul? Right. I don't know if people often think that way. And, and I think it's because people have forgotten that they're, you know, and Black Lives Matter for, you know, and, and all of this stuff going on today, for as much as bad stuff that's there, there is one good thing that they do teach, that there there is one truth, and that there is guilt by association. Like, mm-hmm. you can actually be sinning um, by being associated with sinners. Right. You know, and I think we've really forgotten this. I mean, this this is what St. Paul talks about, right? Mm-hmm. Um, don't be partakers with them. It, um, you know, and that means either condoning their sin, right, or celebrating mm-hmm. their sin, or even just remaining silent, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and if you look at sin that way, that someone else's sin can actually get you in trouble if you don't say anything. Um I think then you can kind of understand where we're coming from. And, and another aspect of it too is is another thing about this honor system, and especially when it comes to to uh, if you're a different confession, is is mo- most people can read those statements and they can say, "Well, I agree to those today." Right. You know, today and- as I read them, it sounds reasonable, but but it, that's not really. What faith is, and honestly, they're they're such lies, you know, because they are so vaguely written, right? You know what I mean? Like, if you ask somebody, okay, um, okay, Jesus is present in the Lord's Supper. Are you actually eating Jesus? Are you eating his body and his blood? Right. You know, um, 
And 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 so so, but even if they do, they'll it's it's kind of like kind of like this, you know. And I've used this example many mm-hmm. times, right? Uh, uh, a young, a young, a gentleman comes to you uh, to a lady and, and says, "You know what? Uh, I really love you today." And based on my love for you, because I confess that today in that moment, you should give me what I want. Right. Is that a confession you're making? <laughs> is this a public confession that you're saying, "I love you," or is it, is it, "I love you" until you? Dead? I, un, until it's not convenient for me anymore, right? You know, I mean, you look at, for example, is. you look at a confirmation vow to a church. Right. You're you're saying you're making a promise with the help of God to remain in this confession faithfully until death. Until death, it is like a marriage vow in that right. sense, and so, and so, yeah, I can believe that today. I go to a Baptist church. That's where my membership is. But today. Certainly, I look at that and that seems reasonable. Well, that's a, that's a little different. That's not that's not uh, something that you've taken an oath to. It's just ah, that seems reasonable today, which is the way things go nowadays, well, anyways. And if you know, and that's the thing. Like I said, these things aren't they're necessary to believe, but it's not sufficient. I mean, do you really get the gospel if you don't baptize babies? Right. I mean, I would argue no. I mean, it is. Uh, there's an inconsistency there, a felicitous inconsistency because you can still be saved. Sure. Right? But there is an inconsistency there. So, 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 and, and we don't want you to be a liar. If you don't actually believe what we believe, don't say you believe what we believe by communing with us. Right. Because then you're a liar before God and before all these other people. And we don't want that for you. That, that makes you a hypocrite. And, and, and I've actually, actually used, have used that a lot over the years where, they come from a background. Well, I, I know, um, for example, they 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 believe that women should be or, ordained or whatever the topic may be that they feel very strongly about. And I say, well, and they, but they want to take communion in there. They kind of are getting upset about it. And I say, well, by communing here, everyone here will assume that we, in their eyes, you are making a public confession today. Right. That this is what you believe. And she's, well, I don't believe that. Well, if you don't believe that, when you commune, you're making a confession before everyone here. Because that's what communion means. Communion right. means fellowship, guys. And and a lot of times they'll say, well, thank you, Pastor. I, you know, and then it kind of because it gives it, it kind of feeds into their own judgmental opinions <laughs> of us. And right. they say, well, I don't. I don't want to be confess what you guys confess. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I mean, it kind of turns the table and it, it, it pays their court and they say, nah, no, 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 no. <laughs> and they've actually, people have actually thanked me. Which is good. Thanks be to God. You know. Um, so. And now we're not saying that these people are less. Right. Don't, don't get, don't get us wrong here. We're not saying that they're less. We're not saying we think they're misguided. We think they've been taught falsely, but they're still Christians. Right. Um, not going to the Lord's table together um, does not mean that we've excommunicated them right. at all. That's not—we just—we don't agree. Right. And um, and if we don't agree, um, then we have to wait until God's Word convinces us otherwise. And sometimes that might be the day of judgment, and that's not a bad thing, mm-hmm. you know? Um so yeah, I mean, we're, so so basically, short answer: we are for uh, pastors actually examining people, right? And also examining people in your congregation too, which should happen more often than what it does, right? So, second question. All right, so uh, there's a second part of that question. So Jeff continues in his email: uh, Is there harm in cutting out liturgy associated with the sacrament of the altar as long as the words of institution are given? especially if portions of the divine service need to be cut to allow for a longer sermon and special music in order to keep it within an hour. This might better relate to a discussion of adiaphora and the divine service, which is something I've also been struggling with. Okay. Um, so this is about uh, um, cutting things out of the sacrament of the, alt- of, of the divine service. Right. The sacrament of the altar or divine service, I think. Right. So the service so the service of the sacrament 
cutting stuff out um, in order to save time. Right. Well, I think— So, so first of all, okay, um, the idea that the church service has to be under an hour is kind of a wrong priority. So it's it's a it's a wrong mindset. Right. So let's just get that one out of the way first and foremost. Right. Now, there um, have been times, for example, um, when we started doing communion at every one of our Lenten services. We did things like, well, um, because it's in the evening, I'm sensitive to the fact that people need to get rest and sleep, and I didn't want that to be an excuse for people not to come. So we've done things like, there's nothing that says we have to have the opening hymn or the closing hymn. Right. You know, or or various things like, you know, I do offering at the door or something like that. I, I do a service on Tuesday nights. So this is, you know, it's all spoken liturgy, no hymns. Um, we don't cut anything out. Um, it's all spoken. And we are out of there most of the time in 35 minutes to 40 minutes. Right. So to cut things out first and, you know, I mean, so there's that. Okay. So just a personal example. Mm-hmm. The second thing is, is adiaphra, you know, it, it means the things that are neither commanded by God nor forbidden by God. Right. Mm-hmm. So you can't have the words of institution are not adiaphra. Right. You actually need to have them. Right. In order for it to be the Lord's Supper, you need bread, you need wine, you need the words of institution. Right, mm-hmm. Psalm twenty three won't cut it, right? Right, or the Lord's Prayer. The thing is, is that when you start cutting things out that have been there for a long, long time, you miss the scriptural allusions. You miss so much. Like for example, cutting out the Sanctus, the Song of the Angels, right mm-hmm. from Isaiah, right? Because what does that actually proclaim to us? It proclaims to us that God is here. Uh, we are singing the same thing that the angels, the seraphim, are singing. Right. That God is holy, right? Um, and that Jesus is coming, because the second part of that is, blessed is he, blessed is he, blessed is he who cometh in the name of the Lord. Right. right? Which is what they sang when Jesus entered Jerusalem. Why? Right. Because the king is entering, right? He's mm-hmm. coming. Or... O Christ, thou Lamb of God, who takest away the sin of the world. Why in the world would you ever want to cut that? Right. You can, but what it it's talking about, okay, the Lamb of God is right here. We're going to put him in your mouth so that way your sins are forgiven. And what, what, what the divine service does is it takes, what are the, 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 the things in Scripture that, that properly sets the Lord's Supper in the context of what is going on? And and when it's just, um, you know, just out of expediency, or you know, so we can have some hymns that are or songs or praise songs that are more meaningful to me, you know that that you know I I'll, there have been every once in a while um, I've done a service where um, um, I go through the exhortation and the confession of absolute and absolution. Um, where it kind corporate of corporate confession and absolution, right? Yeah, where it, where where it walks you through examination, and it says this is why we are receiving the Lord's Supper. Because I like I like that ask sometimes every once in a while just to place it right there before their face, right? But but uh, when you think of all those things that are in the divine service, they're scripture. Um, they're all they're all basically scripture, and you know the ones we just mentioned or. Think about it, the nuke diminis. So you've taken the Lord's Supper, right? Right. And what is it what is it saying? Now let your servant depart in peace. Your word has been fulfilled. Right. Lord, I'm ready to die right. because I've received you. Because I have the forgiveness of sins, and I can die peacefully knowing that I have a gracious God because of what Jesus did. I mean, why? Why would we cut any of that out? I mean, and I think part of it is just we have this. We like novelty for novelty's sake. Right. And there is a reason why we do what we do and why we do it over and over and over again, um, Sunday in and Sunday out for hundreds of years. So, so here, here's, a, here's a, something that maybe we can do. Is there a common thread then that we can make between these two questions? 
meaning when you talk about the honor system that he, or the questions or being prepared, right? Mm-hmm. Um, those fall hand in hand in what the, the liturgy tries to do in preparing for the reception of the Lord's Supper. Um, there is a common thread in both of these questions about uh, when you are actually receiving the body and blood, why would you want a shortcut? Right. You know, um, if, if, uh, if uh, you have a confession about what the Lord's Supper is, well, where, where is the clearest way that people hear of that confession of what's actually going on week to week in the, the liturgy? Right. So, so there is, in a sense, when he's, what he's asking, there is a common thread between both of those questions. Um, and, uh, um, and, you know, a longer, and, and, like, for example, he mentions uh, to allow time for a longer sermon. Um, well, the sermon is part of the sermon is to prepare for the Lord's Supper. Right. And to be honest, you know, if your sermon, if you need to cut things out for a longer sermon, well, what's going to preach it better than the consistency of the liturgy? But also, if you, if you, if you preach longer than 20 minutes, you lost most everybody anyway. <laughs> well, and yeah, honestly, I just, most, most sermons that are, like you said, longer than, we are not trained. And uh, this gets me to, uh, my grandpa died um, this last week, and we had the funeral last week on, on Monday, and uh, the guy didn't prepare. Uh, it was a cr- really crappy sermon. I mean, it was very, it was it was disrespectful to God, and it was disrespectful uh, to my grandpa. Um, and he just rattled on. And it's like, if that is what a sermon is, if it's just an extended Bible study for which you don't prepare, you get up there and you spout off stuff um, which is the way that most of it is, right? Because we aren't Luther's. We aren't Walther's. Right. These guys preached for an hour and 45 minutes, and people listened. Um, most of us are not trained to do that. Right. We can't craft a sermon beautiful enough and tight enough to keep people involved. Right. Um, which is which is a failing on our part. And another, but, you know, another aspect of that, too, is... is uh, because of our failings as preachers, you know, um, I think it's been said of in, in, in years past of the, the Anglican Church, how they have a beautiful liturgy, but then you hear the sermon and, and it has nothing to do with the gospel. Right. And you think, well, at least <laughs> they're hearing the word of God. Through the liturgy. Through the liturgy. And I mean, this is how the church survived for a long time. Under You're right. rationalism and... All that kind of stuff. But the thing is, is, you know, and I, I'm going to go after our preaching because, you know, our preaching could be a lot better. Yeah. But the thing is, is like, unlike this guy, we actually preach on the texts. We actually explain things. I mean, this guy talked about the resurrection of the dead, but he didn't actually explain what the resurrection of the dead is or why we should have hope. Hmm. His anal- his illustrations were really cruddy, even though there are plenty of biblical illustrations that would have been good. I mean, it's just, yeah. So the thing is, is that in the LCMS, I know we're we're not near where we should be, but I mean, I I would, and and, and this is what the sad thing is, is like what I heard from my family is, is that it's better than what we hear most of the time when they go to funerals from other denominations. Hmm. I mean, think about that. Think about that. Think of how these poor sheep are being lacerated and flayed by this crappy, uh, unprepared preaching that you pick out texts. Like, my grandma picked out Psalm 23, uh, Romans 5, and uh, John three sixteen, and some of the surrounding verses. Mm-hmm. I mean, holy cats. I mean, just like go through Psalm twenty-three, verse by verse. Right. And I mean, you shouldn't be able to screw that up too bad, right? The guy didn't even mention him at the beginning of his his rant, uh, which was malformed and just gross. Um, he quoted from First Corinthians fifteen fifty that flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of God. Um, death, you know, will be swallowed up in victory. Right. Beautiful thing, right? I was like, okay, 
this will be all right. I mean, even though he's not really taking my grandma's wishes seriously, you know, at least he's going to talk about the resurrection. Mm-hmm. Didn't ever mention it again. <laughs> so, I mean, it's like, and people put up with this. And this is where people go. Right. You know, I mean, it's it's sad. It is sad. You should expect better out of your preachers. Right. And preachers, and I think we should always be willing to grow in our own preaching. I mean, this is why we have um, what we call winkles. Mm-hmm. Winkle means corner, uh, where we as pastors in our circuit, which is kind of like a regional gathering, mm-hmm. we get together and we talk about the text. And really, maybe we should actually be... We have done some uh, evaluations where we evaluate each other's sermons. Yeah. I mean, we should really be doing more of that and maybe trying to improve our craft a little bit Because better. there might be some things that we do in the pulpit that that are distracting even or something that we don't realize. Right. You know? So, I mean... Yeah, it, it's it's kind of like a, a, a doctor. You want a doctor who who uh, graduated from uh, medical school, and then you know, fifty years later, he's still kind of just relying on what. <laughs> right, or a, a teacher. Right, all of these people go back to school to get you know education credits. So, so there should be something to be said about seeking to always improve. Right. Uh, and uh, seeking to, how can I, to wrestle with how can I do that better? I mean, you know, we're doing a podcast. Yeah. With a lot of help. But, you know, so. So, well, I think uh, it's probably. I was going to say, to get back to the question here a little bit, to kind of pare it down and <laughs> get back on topic. Um, I think the question he's asking here is, um. Theoretically, what could you cut to make the uh, sacrament of the altar still be communion? You can cut everything except the words of institution and the distribution. Right. I mean... You would never want to, but... Right. I mean... The, that's the right. That's, but that's like asking, okay, theoretically, well, what, what is the, the bare minimum you could do for your wife and still be considered a faithful husband? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, um, theoretically, uh, that is that actually is a, a not a very gospel way of a- asking. Kind of like theoretically, Jesus, how many times do I have to forgive my brother and still have it be cool? Right. And I mean, I do think we do have to talk about the theoretical, though, just for the fact that people don't like, you know, having a school. It's kind of reminded me of this because, you know, one day it was raining really, really hard. And we couldn't go over to the church for chapel. And so we had it in the basement of the school. And one of the little girls asked, well, you know, this isn't church. You know? Right. This isn't chapel because we're not in church. And so I think sometimes it is good to talk about sure. the essentials, like what absolutely has to be there. Sure. Uh, but I, but I, would, I would add this, though. Um, I would add, if you look at Acts chapter 2, verse 42, there was kind of a prescription of what ac- what absolutely has to be there. The right. Apostles' teaching, the breaking of bread, bread uh, the, the fellowship, fellowship, and the prayers. prayers. Right. Um, and so that, that, you know, that would also, I would say, s- something to that effect. Right. Because there should never be the Lord's Supper without preaching. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how you can receive the Lord's Supper without praying. Right. Afterward. I mean... Right. So, yeah. But... Yeah. If you want to pare it down, it's kind of like baptism. We have a lot of customs that go with baptism, and they're really beautiful, and they should be at every baptism, like the exorcism. Right. Um, or uh, um, talking to, you know, having the sponsors answer for the child to show what the content of that faith is that, that, that the child has, mm-hmm. right? Or the white garment or the candle, right. right? Honestly, we can do without those things. We can, mm-hmm. right? That's why it was great in TLH, right? Uh, the Lutheran Hymnal, uh, 1941. At the end of the hymnal, you had a right for emergency baptism. And it's like, if there's time, say the Lord's Prayer. Otherwise, have water and baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Right. Right? Yeah, I, I, that's a good point. That you, At you know, some point, you do have to, to have that nailed down. Right. But at, at the same time, it's like, 
a lot of these questions today are not being asked. For the sake of necessity. Right. It is expediency. Right. Because we're impatient. Right. And that is a sin on our part. And, you know, we should repent and pray for more patience and listen to the Word of God. All right. Well, thank you for uh, being with us. We didn't get a lot of segments done today, but we had a lot of good discussion. Right. So uh, um, thanks again to Jeff for the questions. Yeah. We always appreciate questions. And uh, yeah, so. All right. Well, I'm Bullhagen. And I'm Berg. I'm Vicker. (laughs) And may your scotch be smoky. Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns? You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast. On Twitter, at P for podcast, or email us at feedback at Thanks for listening to Clerical Heirs. See you next time.